Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today's episode is a continuation in a series I'm doing on how to build adaptive capacity, which is the key for leveraging stress for growth in really almost any area of your life. Today, I'm going to be discussing tools you can use to improve your mental fitness. Now, in episode 215, I explained what mental fitness is and why it's important. But here's a quick recap. Mental fitness is the ability to be consciously present and process information without bias. This will empower you to respond quickly and rationally to changing circumstances through committed actions rooted or anchored in your values. Now, this concept of mental fitness is rooted in the concept of psychological flexibility. According to an excellent paper, which I have linked in the show notes, psychological flexibility can be defined as being in contact with the present moment, fully aware of emotions, sensations, and thoughts, welcoming them, including the undesired ones, and moving in a pattern of behavior in the service of chosen values. In simpler words, this means accepting your own thoughts and emotions and acting on long-term values rather than short-term impulses, thoughts, and feelings that are often linked to experiential avoidance and a way to control unwanted inner events. I mean, you can't control the thoughts that come in and out of your mind, but if you're aware, you can make and take actions anchored in what you really value. In episode 215, I also discussed how mindfulness is an excellent tool for training and developing mental fitness. Mindfulness training improves present moment awareness, which will empower you to take control of your attention because as we discussed before, attention is the currency of performance. It's what all high performers need to control to be at their best when it matters most. Mindfulness training also prevents rumination or chewing over thoughts, or as I like to call it, chasing rabbits. There's nothing worse than chasing a rabbit or a thought down a rabbit hole when like 10, 15, 20 minutes go by and you're like, oh my goodness, like where have I been? This is a bad habit that I get into. And I think about the past or future scenarios, which are most likely never going to happen. And that's really unhealthy. And so mindfulness has been a tremendous tool for me and it's been very beneficial. And so this is something that I care deeply about. Research indicates that consistently training mindfulness decreases anxiety, depression, and even your perception of pain. While I was working one time, I had the opportunity to do a little bit of contracting work with the 75th Ranger Regiment. I was talking with one of their cognitive psychologists and I said, hey, when these Rangers are experiencing pain, because their training is very painful. I mean, going through Ranger School is a rigorous, difficult process. I said, what is a tool that you use for them? And she said, I tell them to center their attention and focus their breath, but not just their breath, but the breathing in and out of their nose and actually trying to feel air moving past the hairs inside of their nose. And what's this doing is, is it's recentering your attention and it puts the pain that you're in in its right place. And I started using this in jujitsu because I trained jujitsu and I used to train with a really big guy when I lived in Virginia. I mean, he was like six, seven, 230 plus pounds. 
and he would make my life miserable. He was really good. He's a friend of mine. And whenever he would get in what's called the mount position, I mean, he could really apply a lot of pressure. And I started using this technique and it really helped me with the perception of pain and being able to think through very difficult or painful situations. Mindfulness has also been demonstrated to reduce the incidence of burnout with medical professionals. I mean, People working in hospitals, as we all know, are people under a lot of stress and pressure and being mindful and training this skill reduces their levels of burnout. It improves biomarkers for stress like blood pressure, heart rate variability, metabolic profiles, increases positive mental affect, and like I mentioned before, reduces rumination. If you're a decision maker, you're going to love this one. It improves executive functions like attentional control, working memory, planning, and fluid intelligence. And Amisha Jaws lab at the University of Miami demonstrates that mindfulness training also prevents task switching, which kills productivity. Uh, Kurt Steinhorst is an amazing podcast or a couple podcasts on productivity. And one of the things you want to do is you want to prevent task switching and you want to stay deeply focused on one subject for a period of time. And mindfulness training can help you do that. So how do you train mindfulness? And it's very simple. It starts by focusing your attention on one target, a physical sensation. A lot of people like to use the breath because it's just a naturally occurring process and you really just want to be an observer of the breath. So what you want to do is you want to hone in on this sensation and like breathing. And when your mind wanders and it will, don't judge, just gently return your attention back to the sensation. The actual act of your mind wandering And returning to the present moment is the mechanism which actually improves plasticity and neurological change. And this could be anything. It doesn't have to be breathing. It could be eating. It could be walking. It could be showering. Like you could literally take a shower and try to be mindful of every single thing that's happening in the water, running through your head or sudsing on your body, whatever. Just being very focused and aware of what's happening in the moment. You don't need an app like Calm or Headspace, even though those are great. Those are phenomenal tools. If you don't want to pay for it, you could literally just set a timer on your phone for five to 10 minutes, go sit in a quiet place and do it. Uh, How long do you need to do it? The research isn't super clear yet on like definitive cutoffs. It's not like we have a ton of research like we do on exercise where we know like you need to do at least 150 to 300 minutes of moderate to vigorous intensity exercise. Research is starting to point to kind of this critical cutoff of 45 to 60 minutes a week. So I mean, really five to 10 minutes a day, four to six times a week, and you're really going to start seeing some significant changes in your ability to harness your attention. Now I want to shift to giving you some tools that you can use in the moment when you feel stressed. You know, stress exists on this continuum we've talked about before between extreme alertness, which would be like panic or high states of alertness, to deep sleep and really coma at the other end. And there's a continuum of this and the state that you want to exist in most of the time is a state of alert calmness. So what happens when you get really stressed out? Maybe you're about to do a presentation or you're about to go on a date or something that just gets you really like, okay, I'm starting to feel it. You know, my blood pressure is increasing. You want to return to this state of alert calmness, the breath, The breath, you know, you can call it a hack, whatever you want. It's a way to actually regulate the autonomic nervous system. 
Okay. So have you ever heard somebody say, Hey, you're stressed out. Take a deep breath. That is like the worst thing that you could ever do. Because when you inhale, the diaphragm moves down. It creates more space for the heart. So blood flows slower. So the brain sends a signal to the heart to speed up. So this actually increases your level of alertness. So let's say you're tired and you have a quick phone call or Zoom call with your boss or an important conversation with a colleague. If you do vigorous inhalations or long duration inhalations, it's going to increase your level of alertness. Okay. But if you want to calm down, you want to do forceful or long duration exhales. Ideally, you want your duration of your exhale to be twice as long as your inhale. So one of my favorite tools is like a three second inhale, two second hold, six second exhale, two second hold. Do this for a couple minutes. You will feel yourself starting to shift down this continuum from high state of alert to more of a parasympathetic state. One of the fastest ways that you can de-stress in the moment using a mechanical non-cognitive tool. And it's a hardwired neural circuit mechanism for rapidly de-stressing. And this pattern exists in all animals and humans engage in this spontaneously when carbon dioxide gets too high in the system. It can happen during sleep, when you're in a claustrophobic situation, and after sobbing or kind of when you're in a sobbing state. What it is, is it's a double inhalation followed by an exhale. So if you think about somebody goes <laughs> like, you know, they're kind of crying. Think back, this happens in those type of situations. And what you're doing is you're maximally inflating the alveoli in the lungs and you're offloading all this carbon dioxide. So it's two inhalations, maximal inhalations followed by exhalation. So it's so you want to inhale and then inhale further. And then exhale for a long duration. Do three or four of these in a row and you will quickly scale down that continuum. Now, one of the cool things about the breathwork tools we just mentioned are that you could use them as part of a mindfulness training practice. Now, I wouldn't use the physiological size, but you could do something like box breathing, which improves focus and attention. It's like a four second inhalation, four second hold, four second exhalation, four second hold. So it's four, 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 four. You could do this for five to 10 minutes, making sure that you're focusing on your breathing. You could count each cycle of the box, one in your head and two in your head. So you can kind of blend these things. Now, the last thing I want to talk about today is gratitude practice. Gratitude is something that we're learning more and more about how beneficial it is outside of being just a, a good, healthy human being and being grateful for the things you have. We're finding that it has a tremendous impact on our physical and psychological health. Gratitude practice reduces stress and inflammation. It improves optimism and resilience, it increases happiness, reduces aggressive behavior, improves positive mental affect and flourishing. It enhances feelings of appreciation and a sense of belonging. I mean, that is quite incredible. And one of my favorite ways to practice gratitude is the big three gratitude exercise. And it's really simple. Just sit down and write out three things that you're grateful for. It could be a positive event or something in your life or an experience that happened. But the key thing is you want to feel those good emotions that come with it. So it could be something like, what was the best part of your day or a personal achievement 
or a special moment with a friend or a loved one. Something that's really impactful is really thinking about why you're grateful for somebody or something that they did for you. Okay. This is going to improve a lot of things in your life. And it's something I think that everybody should be doing almost daily. It's taking a few minutes in the morning and the evening to just be grateful. Okay. This is going to improve, like I said, your physical and psychological health. So let's wrap this up. Mental fitness is just as important as training your physical fitness. It's why I talked about it before we talk about the exercise pillar and building adaptive capacity because you can be physically fit and be a mental psychological wreck. And if COVID has taught us anything, it's that we need to be investing in our mental fitness. And I believe this is an unlock for human performance. So it will improve your adaptive capacity and it doesn't take three to five hours a week to see a significant benefit. It's not like lifting weights where if you've been doing, you know, lifting weights for years, it's going to take so much more effort to see more muscle hypertrophy or strength. Five to 10 minutes a day could literally change your life. With that in mind, if you found today's episode to be useful or beneficial, maybe you know somebody that's struggling with their mental health or mental fitness, or maybe you know somebody that would really resonate with this message, please consider sharing it with them. Take a screenshot of the podcast, send it to them in a text. You never know the impact it could have. Thanks again for spending a few moments of your time with me today, and I'll catch you on the next episode.